We finished reading the book, yeah. The book. Are you okay. going to read the next paragraph? Oh, <laughs> I, yeah. I was. <laughs> you know what? I was. Shut up. Do you remember lit class, Mitchell? Yeah, you know. <laughs> but I love that the like like any religious text or myth or novel like. Dune is a reflection of the time in which it was written. Like our main character is over here experimenting with hallucinogens. At the same time, the author is experiencing a world in which drug experimentation is thriving. Like Paul <laughs> knowingly consumes this highly addictive substance in the hopes of gaining supernatural abilities. Like yep. spice represents like untapped human potential and brain power. And that made me think of, have you guys ever heard of the stoned ape theory? No. So our brains um, went through like a miraculous transformation, you know, at, at some point in our history, like they doubled in size and uh, aliens, aliens, yeah. or one of the theories is the stoned ape theory. And it posits that at, like we, we come from Africa, right? So at some time in Africa, like there was a climate change and our diet had to change. And so we started eating magic mushrooms and so our brain size doubled, we our language centers grew, and our abilities to like prognosticate and plan deepened. And as a partaker and advocate of psilocybin, like this theory makes a lot of damn sense to me. Like I can literally point to positive thought changes I'd ha I've had and their direct connections to positive behavior changes and outcomes in my life as a direct result of taking mushrooms. Like if you want to get fucked up, if you want to escape, like put down the bottle, smoke some weed, happy 420 by the way, uh, eat some shrooms. Like if I had found oh, yeah. drugs, which I hate to even call them that because of the negative connotations, like this shit is magic. It's medicine. It's not drugs. Like it changed our species and it can, it can change you instead of booze. Especially like, if you use it in moderation, mm -hmm. especially if you use it with a purpose, especially mm -hmm. if you're not using it to escape. You know what I mean? Like, but even if you want to escape, it's a better well, escape okay. than alcohol is what well, I'm, correct, I'm saying. Correct. Yeah. But I'm <laughs> but I'm saying like, you know, anything is Get fucking negative. high. Yeah, anything is negative in excess, you know, yeah. whatever. But yes, like these things should not be stigmatized. Um Well thankfully it psilocybin specifically has made a huge progress in the last couple of years that Johns Hopkins is starting a psilocybin institute um, it's, there's it's legalizations Colorado yeah Dr. Yeah. Bronner's soaps now I mean not to plug them but <laughs> we, should, we should do a whole podcast about the Dr. Bronner's soaps like if you've ever read any of those but now, is that a book? no Dr. Bronner's is soap it's pure Castile soap Oh my God! Circle back. We'll come back to it. But <laughs> anyone out there, anyone out there uses Dr. Bronner's, the new tea tree oil for sure has a whole psychedelic promotion on their their bottles now. Okay. And how much research, like TJ saying, all the research and all the funding that they're doing because it is great. I mean, what is it? There's mushrooms specifically, like um, our. I'd have to I'd have to read it so someone in the comments you know look it up for us but I've read a lot but like I yeah, for depression for PTSD they've they've shown one treatment uh, is more effective than just about any you know other antidepressants for PTSD for long-term people with serious problems for childhood trauma and anxiety, abuse depression. anxiety depression all these things 
a single guided meditation treatment with a dose of psilocybin has been shown to be just as, if not more effective than any other pharmaceuticals that we have. And and the research is only just starting. It's pretty incredible. And personally, anecdotally, like I was taking it like once every three to four months, maybe. And I'm I'm eight months pregnant. I haven't taken it in a minute. And I can tell like when the effects were starting to wear off and like my mental my perspective was like shifting back like i like it has like a a real and like lasting effect on the way that you your your perspective and the way that you see the world like i i talk about it as a person who suffers from like depression and ptsd like i like you everybody has a perspective you know has a window that the they look at the world through and when you have ptsd and depression you can get all this dirty shit and hateful shit in your window and you don't know how to get rid of it you don't even know that it's there it's just something that you you, like like if your window had a big swath of mud screaming through it and you just accepted that and you didn't know how to get it off and like mushrooms clean your fucking window and they allow you to see you know things much much more accurately and in a much more positive light yeah no it's incredible i mean some people like you said they get so stuck in a way of thinking and to have something that can shift you outside of that reality and show you that something else is possible possible it's it's a really powerful change Mm. just to know that hey look you could think about these things or see them differently it's it's incredible and in dune they control like who gets to have these spice overdoses who gets to have you know these kinds of religious experiences or these shifts of perspectives like everybody is allowed everybody has some in their diet like everybody on dune and in a lot of places is addicted to the spice um but only certain people are allowed to have you know this this excess in amount and they even they uh, to control the populace uh the fremen have orgies every once in a while they have spice orgies every once in a while which is, to me is like really cool and like reminiscent of pagan times like once a year they would have a carnival all the prisoners would be let loose like women would get to run in the streets like men you know everybody would be doing drugs and like drinking and having sex with each other and like rules didn't exist and you no know, i think they say on dune like spice is is practically in the atmosphere you know like it's just in the by food it's in the water right the yeah air. yeah yeah just just by living on arrakis or on dune you are passively ingesting spice in your food and your i mean they put it in their in their tea service they talk about and stuff yeah. like that yeah they have tea every day they make day. their coffee with it yeah yeah and so they're constantly ingesting this thing and you know it has different effects for paul but everyone lives longer and feels better and you know thinks thinks more clearly this this substance i just also loved like drugs and religion (laughs) yes so we were talking about like jessica's overdose so i thought like paul's overdose in the film was was really interesting and really dramatic like the way that they did it like they go out into some place in the desert and the fayed kid you know bind him the fayed kid are like his blood warriors and fayed excuse me and And also alia Alia, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're just making me think of the singer Aaliyah every That's time you say That's how I've been pronouncing it in my head for so. I'm three books deep, man. I can't yeah. change it now. Uh, and even yeah, the the Fadekin too. I was like, shit, that is how it's spelled. But I've just been calling them the Fadekin. 
But yeah, they tie him up in the desert. Not at all what happens in the book. No, no, Chani, yeah, and Chani like kisses him and like pours it down his throat. Yeah, <laughs> like I love you. I believe in you. I'll be here. You are my life. Yeah, I was like, what? And I love that in the movie, Johnny and Paul, they don't have a relationship. They just meet and they're like, oh, hey, we're in love. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Now <laughs> like, we're make, making out. They, they don't get to know each other. They don't have like experiences that lead to like a bond. They're just like, oh, you're a person. I love you. Let's we're begin. supposed to assume those experiences. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's Classic have, like... 80s sci-fi. Yeah. A <laughs> montage instead of people like trying on clothes. It... But even the montage was bullshit that we <laughs> yeah. get. It was just like two years they fought. And I was like, two years? <laughs> this? <laughs> what? They're just like, you know, making up words and shooting guns. Yeah. All right. Can I can I do a, can I do a, a, a rant now? Too, because you want to rant about the voice don't you yes yes go for you it know, yeah. <laughs> so i mean all right so in the movie and in the book sort of the, the reason they accept them is because they believe that jessica's training will be able to make their warriors stronger and and, and in the book in the movie she she beats stilgar in hand-to-hand combat right that's the training they're talking about the she will teach the freemen this hand-to-hand combat that only the Ben Jesuit know. But in the movie, what they decide to do is create these magical voice modules <laughs> that allow them to shoot magic energy if they speak into the microphone. And it's absurd because in in both stories, we see Paul in the beginning fighting with his trainer using a shield belt, yeah. which is this advanced technology that protects him from getting hit by the knife. You know, and doesn't so work did, on Arrakis. Where did the shield belts go? They, they don't, don't work they, on Arrakis. You can't use a shield because they attract worms. Well, yeah, they never they never them. talk about you're that. Right, you're right. In oh, the movie, right? <laughs> right? So the reason, yeah, the reason you can't do that on Arrakis is because they would attract the worms. So why don't these magic voice modules attract the worms? It doesn't matter. We don't have to talk about that. <laughs> so that's why they needed the hand to hand combat that only the Ben Jesuit could teach them, right? The and they're and that's that's why their army becomes so strong. But yeah, in the movie, they decide to invent these magic uh, voice boxes that throw uh, electricity and shoot things out. And even Paul uses one, which it's it's just come on. But in the He's... end, they're like, his word is death without it. Yeah, <laughs> yes, and, yeah, doesn't need it anymore. There's even a great... his name is death. There's a quote, yeah, and it's taken from the book where Paul says my name is a killing word which you know in the story it's it's almost like the name of jesus right people have killed in in jesus's name that's what they meant by that but in the movie they just take it literally (laughs) and they make his name at all one of the magic words for these voice boxes (laughs) yes i was like they're saying his name like yeah yeah uh, and yeah, by the end of the movie, he can just shout and break stone, which it's, it does never happens in the book. It's not a thing. <laughs> I also loved that when he was doing his spice overdose, like a legion of worms just like show up and surround them. 
Yes, <laughs> kind of like, like worship like, him a little bit. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Also, never never happens. Doesn't make any sense. And they no don't explain like how it starts raining either. Because in the book, they totally they manipulate the ecology, but they do that by like saving water and like irrigation, like and eventually hope that rain will come. I think one day. But yeah, at the end, the way it just starts pouring, like that was that yeah. was classic movie I mean, this, magic to me right this is this is a planet that doesn't have a body of water on it you know imagine mars just spontaneously raining where did the precipitation come from where did it it's, come from it's that yeah possible. Uh, paul was talking about you know how someone drowned in in the book this wasn't right. a movie but they, you know <laughs> they don't understand of, it <laughs> yeah they were like what is what is drowning and he was like oh uh there's like in the ocean oh, and they're like so they're like what is water. ocean yeah <laughs> well they call it water starvation and i thought that that was cool i think it wasn't demon. that's another thing that they left out that's really frustrating is there's so much ecology in this book that it's almost like global warming warning you know it's 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 very much an ecological novel and they don't really talk about that in the movie oh you know what we haven't talked about worms at all and that's really... shy halud yeah shy halud <laughs> the fremen religion <laughs> is sort of it's based around the spice and we don't we don't know this at first, but we come to find out that the spice is produced or excreted from the worms. Um, and so that's why Arrakis is the only planet that is known to have spice. It's because it's the only planet that has the conditions where worms can, can survive. And so this is the basis of their religion, and they worship the worms as God. They call it uh, Shai Halud. And they have learned also that the, the transformative, maker. the maker, yes, meaning, you know, as God, obviously the creator, but in, in literally it's the maker of the spice. That's, that's where all this money and spice comes from. And they have even learned, as I, probably only the Ben Jesuit beyond them know, that the, the water of life comes from the little baby worms however that <laughs> happens i don't i don't it's been a little while since i read the book maybe yeah, they, mitchell yeah. you they allude to it with uh who was it wrote it uh gosh rohalo the nephew's name oh, raybon raybon yeah they they show it in the movie where he squishes one and drinks it do you guys it's remember th that i thought he ripped out a cow's tongue and ate it no, that yeah. was later. Okay. In the, in, the be <laughs> in the beginning, he has like a tiny little. Oh, and his little vial. He, yes, and he squishes it, and it, and then he starts drinking it. Like the little like, water yeah, bottle I, that squishes yeah. it. Yeah. Was that I a worm? Think that was. I didn't no, think that was a worm either. I thought that was something else. That was just, just like a gross a, just like, Yeah, just uh, like, they're just gross. this is in the future, this is what we do. We, like, squish bugs and drink them. Yeah, See, no, there's so many was... things in that movie that just don't happen at in any capacity in the book. Like, the fur hawat with the cat. He has to milk the cat to get the yeah, poison. Yeah, what? That was so, yeah. No, they like, just give him the antidote, like, in his food. And they don't even yes. tell him that he's poisoned. <laughs> no, yes. oh my god, my favorite thing about the movie 
one of my favorite things about the movie. So we have Captain Picard as Gurney Halleck. <laughs> Patrick Stewart. Amazing. And oh, I love yes. that this little pug that they have. Like oh God. Duke Leto has the pug. Then Paul has the pug. Yes. When Gurney's yeah. charging into battle, he's, he's holding on to the pug. pug yes. And he's like, yeah. for House of Trainers. Yeah, that was amazing. Dude, and he's standing there with a with a little gun. You know, his character's famous as the sword master. Yes. Like, he, I thought he, Duncan he, was the sword master. Are they both? Well, I think that they're both. Duncan was a sword master, but uh, what's his name? Gurney. Oh Gurney was the his whole, teacher. Yeah, yeah that, he was the teacher. The very like first fight that they had, showing the. Uh, shield suits yeah like he's the one who yeah he's the one that trains him to to knife fight yeah it's like you're not in the mood yeah duncan's more of a more of a bro okay okay duncan's a bro but yeah he's he's a sword master and he plays i was gonna say the guitar but that's the balisette balisette yeah so it's like so he's running into war with a gun and a pug (laughs) i feel like should have a sword and his little minstrel yeah so it's like what and his little bald mullet i love (laughs) the bald mullet yeah that was pretty phenomenal it's pretty rugged it's great it fits him totally um all right so do we are we done with shy halud or i don't know what else um well yeah because i mean i guess i'll take it back to the butlerian jihad because one of the main characters um, he was like shunned from being uh, wrongfully accused of stealing water so they send their people oh, out yeah. into the desert um Whoa. so that they'll get eaten by a sandworm you can't and steal the water yeah you, well he didn't he mm. didn't he had never stolen it but he was wrongfully accused and he was like kicked out of society to be eaten by a worm and he accidentally figured out how to ride a worm. Was he the first one? He was the first one? Yeah, he was the first one. He was, um, a worm was coming and he like stood still and he started throwing rocks because he had a whole bunch of them because uh, he was like a very deadly like rock thrower, I guess. Hmm. Um, so he was really <laughs> killing small animals um, and then eating them. That way he could take the moisture from them. He's like David. Yes. Yeah, very, very David. So. so yeah, he you know was trying to distract the worm, and when it came up um, to get the rocks, like he jumped on it. And, and the worm's freaking Goliath. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. <laughs> Nailed it. But, but that's what that was the first introduction we got of the worms, and he was like stealing their teeth and selling them, and he talked about how at the mouth of these giant worms it just smelled of spice and i was like what <laughs> i think we got spice from the worms the, mm. the way that frank uh herbert introduces that mystery to the reader is one of the most exciting and tantalizing stories aspects of a story that i've ever read like the mystery of the worm like because you don't you don't know like you come in as like a caledonian you know you have no idea yeah. about the ecology or or the the the, the freemen are just like this 
mysterious tribe of people you're like oh what you know what uh, uh, like i don't know about them <laughs> and and paul's like yeah maybe there's something more to them and duke leto's like yeah we gotta study these freemen and then fremen excuse me <laughs> and then you know it's you, you find out they're fucking riding these things <laughs> yes. yeah paul's well, gonna think, ride one of these things and i think you see early on kynes has one of the teeth of the maker he has a he has a chris knife Jessica gets one too, right? From shout out me as a, as a gift, in yeah. Book, in the book, but yeah. And so, yeah, they're like, "What is the relationship between the Freeman and the Worms? They have these knives, and and it's they they know it's a symbol, you know. Only the Freeman have these knives, and they they start to figure out these words that they have for the Maker. You know, what is the Maker? And then Paul, it's which is in the movie. He pointedly asked Doctor Keynes, "Is there a relationship?" between the worms and the spice and uh that's like all we get out of kinds in the movie which is just so sad tragic he's such a good character yeah he is even in the book book. god it was too soon he was too too good too soon i was Mm. telling mitchell like i love i love when you're reading a book and you can be like this author has been there and when i read dune I know yes. George R. R. Martin has been all over these pages. Like the way that George he, R. R. Martin. Yeah, the way that he'll just kill off a main character like it was nothing. And oh, oh even yeah, you were the, telling me that. The second book too, like uh, like the the con- all I'll say is the conspiracy because Mitchell hasn't even started it. But yeah. oh my god, the, you gotta you gotta you gotta. Um, I the other thing I wanted to mention. Um, it's the best aspect of these books is the intrigue, the mm-hmm. the politics and gaming. Yeah. And they, yeah, they cut it out. But um, yeah. the uh, the litany against fear, like that's really on my mind lately because as a pregnant person who's going to have a natural birth, they like want you to have these like things, you know, mantras that you can say to yourself. And, I've, and I'm reading this book right now and I'm supposed to be thinking of a mantra and I'm like, I, I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will p- permit it to pass over me and through me just like this baby. Ha! <laughs> but that also- Hey Mitchell. Oh. Sorry, I just, I had a quick question about the, the mentant because I, I can't remember if it's in the book or not that little litany that he has you know it is by the no, juice not. of sappho it's the thoughts acquire speed no <laughs> i didn't think so it's like they're trained like computers <laughs> they don't drink the juice of sappho to set their mind in motion right no. i didn't think yeah yeah it's definitely not every time i hear that fear is the little death it makes me think of the French phrase like le petit mort which also means little death but it's a euphemism for orgasm Oh, okay. <laughs> well what was what was the other what was ua's quote from the orange catholic bible it was like i shall move through fear like death on my left uh evil on my left oh gosh let me find it because it was like and i will move past fear and i will well, that's behind fear. that's the second part of the litany his it, wife it, was ben jesuit yeah. he says he says, I must not fear. Uh, fear is the mind killer. It is the little death that permits total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when the fear is gone, I will look. I will turn the inner eye upon the path of fear. And where the fear has been, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. And yeah, they never have any of the second part of it in the movie. It's just, <laughs> just the first two lines. 
My favorite scene in the movie is the box because it's the only one that's taken directly from the book. <laughs> Gom jabber. Yes. The Gom yeah. Let us say I think you may be human. Humans are always looking for ways to classify other humans as animals. Damn there it. There you go, right? <laughs> it's a cattle that I don't have to treat with any respect. This one I can kill. <laughs> Make them be another. What a Ben Jesuit thing to think, too. Like, if you don't if you don't have the self-discipline to control your hand from pulling away from sheer agony, then you're basically an, an animal. animal. <laughs> and... <laughs> Your life, your life is in my hands. I can do with it as I wish. I loved. I I think that the Reverend Mother Gaius Helen Moheim was perfect. Like in the movie, she was perfect, even down to her silver teeth. Yeah, that was. (laughs) Yeah, why are they silver? I enjoyed her her portrayal. Yeah, and I love that all the. Bene Gesserits are bald and then and at first I was like why does Jessica get to have hair and I was like oh I guess it's because she's not a reverend mother and then fair enough when she becomes Boom. a reverend mother yeah. gone bald and it makes you wonder if that's uh, maybe caused by the spice agony you know oh the overdose leads to hair loss oh, could be stress. or like because <laughs> like or the, the higher the hair the closer the god usually <laughs> if you, oh, in, yeah. ingesting all those past lives takes a toll on the brain you know yeah because yeah alia is bald also yeah true that true that 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 i love that scene too because they the way it is in the book is similar to the way it is in the movie like they're on the emperor's ship or whatever and she shows up and she's like my brother's going to kill you (laughs) and then she escapes through the hole in the wall and in the book we learn that and i think we see it in the movie a little bit too she's like on the battlefield like killing the wounded where is is your sister fremen tradition she's killing harkonnens like any good fremen child (laughs) that's what we do so good. I hope the new the new movie is better, and I and I really hope that they incorporate all these religious aspects that the that the film left out. I mean, yeah, just just going back to the concept of the the, the movie. I mean, imagine a messiah who knows that they're not only going to be a savior. You know, after the savior parts over, people are going to use the, the idea of your messianic, you know, religion to commit a lot of murder in your name <laughs> you know because i think you're you're right no that's such an interesting perspective because generally like when we hear that story like the only thing we ever get told or ever think of is the positive and i and I, it's also so genius because what that is what happens when people think they have found a messiah in real life like maybe it's all good and turkey you know at the beginning but in the end it, it always gets used for evil or because, any revolution or power because it's power it brings right? power yeah and i mean look at the united states like oh man if we could just get free of, of the british and we could just be our own country Wait, and no one will mess with us but that story is bullshit because the people that came over and were running the united states were british aristocrats okay like before we had the constitution we had the articles of confederation and there was an uprising of some farmers and the british aristocrats george washington in fucking included who had a bunch of land there were rich fucking landowners who were in charge and they were like you know what these farmers have a little bit too much freedom we need to make 
more rules, rein it in a bit. Um, if you don't have land, if you don't have money, you don't get a fucking say. <laughs> so it's it, like we never were free. It's that's just a myth. That's a lie. But it, power, man, fucking power. Well, I mean, I was even watching uh, YouTubers who are like Christians who also love Dune. Um, I even saw one who was a pastor and they were trying to make all of these parallels and what, Oh God, from it. Yeah. And that's what we should have done the podcast on. We should have watched those YouTube. Yeah. Episodes. I was just like, Whoa, Mitchell, give me those and we'll link them in the episode. Sorry. Sorry. Well, one of them, the, the one, this girl, she was like, Oh my God, I love Dune. Blah, 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 blah. Talks about Dune. And then literally the last like 30 seconds. And she's like, and isn't that's what isn't that what's crazy? Heroes and our idea of heroes. Jesus was a hero, and he's the one who fulfilled that role. He sacrificed himself for all of our sins to make us a way to get into heaven. What are your thoughts? And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, uh, what, like Whoa. what did you just do? Like that was Whoa. No. I was just like, it was crazy. I was like, you're lady you are allowed to love jesus and you are allowed to love christianity and the church and you're allowed to love dude you don't have to put them together because you're wrong yeah, yeah. Like, those don't because I has think. she even has she even read the book then that makes me feel like she hasn't even read the book because I, like, spo- yeah. spoiler alert mitchell <laughs> paul knowing the future that he's going to bring about he decides to walk away from oh that's not this book even is it oh my god sorry wrong book wrong no, book that's fine that's fine but yeah I was spoiler spoiler look for book two i'm yes. not even gonna do it i'll cut that no, out that's fine snip snip I was, just, I was just like wait you can't do that like and then the other one i would have to watch again because i was just like what it was a pastor and he was walking around his church talking about dune and like making outlandish correlations and I was just like, what? They're not yeah. critical thinkers, and they're so used to their word being taken at face value that they're just like, pa-da, pa-da, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was like, you're, you're allowed to like it. Like, you're allowed, you don't need a caveat. You don't need a disclaimer of like, and this is how you could relate this book to right. life. It's like, no, you're allowed to like the book, and it doesn't have to have anything to do with this yeah. religion like in a positive way like you don't have to make yeah. a sermon out of it like yeah you're reaching drastically and i want to slap your hand away yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i mean too one of the one of the words that comes up over and over in the book is jihad because <laughs> yeah. paul being prescient he can see that after all this revolution is completed that his warriors, his Freeman warriors, are going to go across the universe committing this holy jihad in his name and killing anyone that doesn't say Muad'Dib is God. <laughs> and yeah, he wants to prevent it. <laughs> he knows he's not God. Like, he knows that he's only inhabited this role in order to seek vengeance, really, against the Harkonnens who killed his father. But he, like, he wants to go down that path to have his vengeance but he also wants to avoid jihad and in the end he he realizes he can't like he yeah there's which, no avoiding which it. kind of just bothered me and annoyed me because at some point in the book he's just like following his visions right and i just right. always thought like okay like 
don't do that like but i guess he sees so many visions and he sees how all the alternatives end up exactly well that's, yeah I mean, and i don't well because <laughs> yeah it could be a fight against your enemies but it's also like another definition of that it was wasn't it like struggling against your inner sins like yourself I think in the book, though, oh, in no, this context, no. yeah, it's, Frank it's, Frank doesn't use it that way. It's used as holy war, basically. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, also, I guess it makes sense that he is. But it could be with like yeah. what to do. Yeah, you're right. He is. So yeah. to me, it's like kind of multiple layers of that concept. Like, no, I love but, yeah. that. No, I think, and but he does. He gets to a, a point where he realizes. Before he's even defeated the Emperor and the Harkonnens, he realizes, wow, even if I die right now, the Jihad is still going to go on and and permeate the universe. Like, there's nothing I can do to stop it. And And that's all. That yeah. Ben Gesserit propaganda machine has been working so hard and for so long. Exactly. All he had to do was fill that role and as soon as that role was filled it didn't matter what he did or how it ended up like yeah the jihad was gonna happen i think maybe that's the thesis of the movie that brings it all the way back to our wise god podcast is that belief uh, especially in in mass groups you know when you have a bunch of human beings together that have a belief that becomes a belief system it's more powerful than anything. It's more powerful than logic. It's more powerful than evidence in your face of scientific fact. Beliefs are what move the world. And if you get a bunch of people to believe in something, it will carry out its course to whatever end, regardless of any outside influence, because those beliefs are so deeply a part of us that we can't even, like May was saying, with your with your window of perspective, you don't even see that it's tainted. So how could you possibly take actions that are outside of that belief system? You can't. You can't. That reminds me of this book I just read. Everybody should read it. It's called it's like a hundred pages. It's called The Four Agreements. It's um a Talmic. I've, I've heard of that. Yeah. Um so it the the idea is that we all I- engage in these social agreements that none of us even you know, sign on for. We just were just mm. born and here the agreements are given to us and we have to accept them. And the way, you know, to get away from these, uh, the, the four agreements in the book are let your speech be impeccable, take nothing personally, make no assumptions and always do your best. And as long as you do those four things, you know, you'll be so much better off as opposed to um, the, we have all this judgment and then we have all this victimhood that's like ingrained in us from birth. Like we're always judging one another and then we're always simultaneously like taking so many things personally that have nothing to do with us. Like we make assumptions that uh, off of other people's actions. We take it personally, we get hurt and then we judge ourselves and we judge the uh, other <laughs> people constantly. And it's just this horrible like insipid cycle. And I think so because true. of that mentality, like that's something that religion is able to prey on because they they it's a judgmental you know system 100 percent. yeah and yeah it's i mean it's founded in the lack of communication it's, mm. found, it's founded in a lack of comprehending problem solving and then learning how to well okay processing and communicating i know buddy you're not allowed to like you're you're, you're not, not even allowed it's to against process. the religion yeah, yeah mm-hmm. you're not allowed to process the thoughts that are 
communicated to you and you're not allowed to uh, interpret those on your own. It's, and that's, right. that's what communication is. It's, it's critical thinking. It's you're listening to what someone says. You get to figure it out on your own and then you could spit it back to them and say, is this what you mean? Am I understanding it correctly? This is my way. And then you keep going back and forth. But that's not the case in religion. It's this is interpreted. You must listen to it. You don't get to process it. You just have to accept it and reiterate it. Right. Only re- witches re- ask Repeat questions. what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> repeat what I'm saying to you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No. It, to me, that just comes back to Dr. Yue's wife's quote. Like, being deaf and not understanding. Yeah. If you don't know what's out there, then you can't interpret it. Like you can't, you know, it's. Yeah. There's a a great quote like that about fish and water. I I have to try and Google it. Okay. You look for that. My sign off for the episode, listeners, dear, dear listeners, I would like to leave you with, there is no God. (laughs) As usual, there is no supreme being. There is the light from the little literal stars that shines within all of us. And because of that light, we are one. We are God in this context. So be good to one another. Don't allow your leaders to other humans. Don't allow your leaders to convince you to be afraid of those in need. The people on the street, the people at our borders, those people could be you and your family save an accident of birth. Like we are the way, the truth and the light, all of us. I love you. Amen. <laughs> I found it. it's it's a David Foster Waller Wallace quote, and it's sort of a short parable. There are these two young fish swimming along, and they happen to meet an older fish swimming the other way, who nods at them and says, "Morning, boys. How's the water?" And the two young fish swim on for a bit, and then eventually, one of them looks over at the other and goes, "What the hell is water?" <laughs> and, but yeah, just those things that permeate our lives so deeply that we can't even see them, and and beliefs are certainly one of those one of those things. And you really got to take the time to uh, zoom out and and try and look at your window to see if it's cloudy or foggy or whatever the case may be, or you'll you'll never even know what water is. I mean, I think that's beautiful. Like it to me, something something that I think about all the time really is that communication of where you're at and listening to other people um, which has always come to Christianity for me how can you grow as a person if you're not willing to truly listen to someone else Mm -hmm. and I think that if you have something to say you also need to willing to hear and comprehend and fully evaluate process what someone else has to say so mm-hmm. you know if you're an atheist or if you're a christian like be open to understanding where someone else is coming from to critically think for yourself like where do you fall in that 
and thank you guys totally it's a great point great thank you guys so much for coming here and listening to what we have to say because we like talking (laughs) and we like sharing our ideas and again uh if you have thoughts to share with us leave them in the comments please please comment yeah so we can listen to you (laughs) comment like subscribe and we will be back very soon with another episode thank you for joining us thanks everyone we love you we love you Oh, Happy yeah. 420. Thanks for joining us for forever. <laughs> and welcome to yeah. Mitchell on. on this 420 <laughs> occasion. Yes. <laughs> this beautiful, so joyous holiday. Okay. We uh, hope you all got high for me because I can't. Okay. <laughs> yeah. See everybody next time. Bye. 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 In my opinion, of TJ, what are life. you doing? I'm sorry, Mitchell. No, you're not. Oh. <laughs> I, Stop doing other things. I had a piece of paper in my hand. How strong is this fucking microphone? I, I heard it too. Put your Damn hands it. behind your back. Bro, yeah, I have to sit here. Sit on your hands. Goodness. Um.